Disciples who have practiced well, Tamayang Bhagavantan Sadamang Sasangang, to these are Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, Imehisaka Rehiatarahang Aro. Vitehi abhipujayama We render with offerings our rightful homage Sadhu no pande bhagava suchiraparini butopi It is well for us that the Blessed One Having attained liberation, Bhajima Janatanuka Pamanasa still had compassion for later generations. He made Sakare Dukatapana Karabu. Te Patikanadu. May these symbol offerings be accepted. Amhakandi Garatanghita Yasukaya. For our long lasting benefit and for the happiness it gives us. Arahang Samma Sambudo Bhagava The Lord, the perfectly enlightened and blessed one Buddhang Bhagavantang Abhiva Devi I render homage to the Buddha, the blessed one Sāvākāto bhagavata dhammo The teaching so completely explained by him Dhammāng-namasāmi I bow to the Dhamma Supatipano Bhagavato Savaka Sango The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well Sangang Namami I bow to the Sangha
He has explained the spiritual life of complete purity in its essence and conventions. Tamahang Pagawantang Abhipujayami Tamahang Pagawantang Sirasanamami I chant my praise to the Blessed One. I bow my head to the Blessed One. Anamayang dhamma bitutingaroma se Yo so sawakato bhagavata dhammo The dhamma is well expounded by the Blessed One Sanditiko Apparent here and now, akaliko, timeless, ehipasiko, encouraging investigation, opanahiko, leading onwards, bachatangweditapo, vinyuhi, to be experienced individually by the wise. Tamahang damang abhipu chayami tamahang damang sirasanamami. I chant my praise to this teaching. I bow my head to this truth. Namayang Sangha Bitutingaroma say Yo so Supati Pano Bhagavato Savaka Sango. They are the Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well. Uchupati Pano Bhagavato Savaka Sango, who have practiced directly, Nyaya Pati Pano Bhagavato Savaka Sango, who have practiced insightfully, Samichipati Pano Bhagavato Savaka Sango, those who practice with integrity, Iyaditang Chatari Purisayuka, Niyata Purisampugala, that is the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings, Eta Bhagavato Savaka Sango, these are the Blessed One's disciples, Ahunayo, such ones are worthy of gifts, Ahunayo, worthy of hospitality, Dakinayo, worthy of offerings, Anjali Karaniyo, 
worthy of respect, anuttarang punyaketang lokatsap, they give occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world. Tamahang sangang abipu jayami tamahang sangang sirasanamami. I chant my praise to this sangha. I bow my head to this sangha. So we'll carry on with the next piece of the chanting, page 23. You got enough light back there? Anamayang Ratanataya Panamagatayo Cheva Sangvega Parikitana Patanja Panamase Now let us chant our salutation of the perfect one and of how he realizes nothing. Buddha Susundo Karuna Mahanavo the Buddha, absolutely pure, with ocean-like compassion, Yochandasuna Varanyanalochano, possessing the clear sight of wisdom, Lokatsambhapu Akile Sangatago, Destroyer of worldly self-corruption, Wandami Buddhang Ahama Darinatang, Devotedly indeed, that Buddha I reveal, Dhammo Bhadipo Viyatatsasatuno, The teaching of the Lord like a lamp, Yamakapakamatabedabinako, illuminating the path and its fruit, the deathless Lokudaroyochatadadipano, that which is beyond the conditioned world. Vandamidamang ahama tarenatang devotedly indeed that Dhamma I revere Sango Suketa Bayatiketa Sanyito the Sangha the most fertile ground for cultivation Yodita Sando Sugatanubodako, those who have realized peace, awakened after the accomplished one, 
Lola Pahino Ario Sumeda Soho Noble and wise, all longing abandoned. One Dhami Sangang Ahamad Harenhatang Devotedly indeed that Sangha I revere. Echewa Mekandhapi Pujanayakang This salutation should be made. Vatu Tayang Vadayatabhisanghatang To that which is worthy. Bhunyang Mayayang Mamasabhupadavam through the power of such good action, Mahanduetat Sambhavasidhya, may all obstacles disappear. Has come into this world, and he is an arahant, a perfectly awakened being. Tamo chandesito niyaniko upasamiko parini paniko sambo dangami sugata pavedito. Purifying the way leading out of delusion, calming and directing to perfect peace, and leading to enlightenment, this way he has made known. Mayan tang tamang suttoha ewang janahama. Having heard the teaching, we know this. Jati Piduka, birth is Duka, Jara Piduka, aging is Duka, Maranam Piduka, and death is Duka, Soka Pariteva Duka, Domana Subhayasa Piduka. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are to come. Apie hisamba yoga duko. Association with the disliked is to come. Pie Separation from the liked is to Yam bichang nalabhati tam bidukang. Not attaining one's wishes is dukkha. Sankite napanchupadana kanda dukkha. In brief, the five focuses of identity are dukkha. Seyatidang. These are as follows. Rupupadana kando, attachment to form. Vedanupadana kando, attachment to feeling. Sanyupadana kando, attachment to perception. Sangarupadana kando, 
attachment to karma formations, vinyanupatanakando, attachment to sense consciousness, yesang parinyaya. For the complete understanding of this, Dharamano Sobhagawa, the Blessed One in His lifetime, Ewang Bahulang Savake Vineti, frequently instructed His disciples in just this way, Ewang Bhagachapanatsa Bhagavato Savake Suhanusasani Bahulabhavadati. In addition, he further instructed Rupang Anichang, form is impermanent, Vedana Anichang, feeling is impermanent, Sanya Anichang, perception is impermanent, Sangara Anichang, karma formations are impermanent, Uinyanang Anichang, sense consciousness is impermanent. Rupang Anada, form is not self. Vedana Anada, feeling is not self. Sanya Anada, perception is not self. Sangara Anada, Karma formations are not self. Vinyanang anatta. Sense consciousness is not self. Sabhe sangara anicca. All conditions are transient. Sabhe tamma anatati. There is no self in the created or the uncreated. E mayang, all of us, oti namajatiya jaramaranena, abam by birth, aging, and death, so ke hi paride, we hi duke hi domena, se hi upaya se hi. By sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, Dukkoti na dukkapareta, Bound by dukkha and obstructed by dukkha, Apevanami matsake valatsandukha kandatsaha takiriya panyayetati. Let us all aspire to complete freedom from suffering. Jira parini bhutam bitang bhagavan tang saranangata. The Blessed One who long ago attained parini is our refuge. Dhammancha sangancha. So to other dhamma and the sangha. Tatsambhagavato sasana yatasati yatabalang manasikaroma anupati pachama. Attentively we follow the pathway of that blessed one. 
with all of our mindfulness and strength, sasanopati pati, may then the cultivation of this practice, imatsa kevalat sadhuka kandat sahanta kiriya sangvatatu, lead us to the end of every kind of suffering. We gather together at the beginning of the day, coming out of the world of of, uh, solitude and sleep, the dreaming worlds, get ourselves together, meet in this hall and join our attention voices, our actions towards paying our respects to the the Triple Gem, Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, towards wisdom, wakefulness, towards reality, truth of the way things are, and towards Sangha, towards that capacity that we have to to harmonize, to lay aside self-concern, self-centeredness, to collaborate as a unified assembly. So to recollect along with the 
the words of the chanting and the uh, symbolism of that, the actions and so forth. These are all to, uh, to do with rousing particular qualities of our own heart, holding those up to be that which we're guided by, wisdom, truth, virtue, unselfishness. Setting the intention at the beginning of the day to uh, cultivate these qualities, to realize these qualities. And then reflecting on the essential teachings. To bring to mind the Four Noble Truths, the truth of dissatisfaction. It's possible for us to be less than totally happy all of the time. Dukkha. Discontent or dis-ease. One way of understanding the word dukkha is that it comes from two parts, du and akha. Do means wrong or imbalanced, out of order. And the akha is the, the hole in the center of a wheel that the axle goes through. So dukkha is a wheel uh, spinning uh, crookedly on its axle, like a, the supermarket trolley with the bent with the bent wheel that always drives you into the into the uh, the, uh, <coughs> the passing neighbor, crashing into the the display. The wheel's out of kilter. It's not. It's not running true. It's not running smoothly. This is dukkha. That feeling of imbalance, the universe being out of order, things are not right. This is dukkha. A feeling known to every single one of us. Then laying out the uh, basic categorization, basic framework, uh, one of the basic frameworks that the Buddha uses, uh, the five khandhas, uh, division of body and mind into the physical form, the body, the world of material things, and feeling, perception, mental formations or karma formations, meaning Thoughts, feelings, emotions, intentions, memories, ideas, the whole mental and conceptual emotional realm. And then consciousness, the very act of, of cognizing, 
sense consciousness, capacity of the mind to know an object. There are many different ways we can categorize the nature of mind, body. This is a simple format that the Buddha used, the five khandhas or the five heaps, five aggregates, a rough chunking of body, form, and feeling, perception, mental formations, consciousness. These all overlap a little, but it's a rough division of our world, mind and body, mental and physical. And then the reflections on the the universal characteristics of, of that body and mind, of the mental and material world. What are known as the three characteristics of existence. Impermanence, anicca. Everything changes. Form changes, moods change, feelings change, perceptions change. Cognition, consciousness changes. Life is a continuous fluid transformation of change, relationship, subject and object, a constant interplay. Material form is changing, feelings, perceptions. The whole array, all of it is changing. Some of it slower than others, some of it faster. But this is a universal characteristic. Everything is changing. Now when we say everything is dukkha, all of those uh, five groups of body and mind, doesn't mean to say that we're totally miserable all of the time. We can feel quite cheerful and bright, inspired or enthusiastic, radiant. what makes enthusiasm and radiance unsatisfactory? What makes that dukkha? Is that we can feast so uh, joyfully, chomp down on, on our pleasant and happy experiences so vigorously and joyfully that we don't realize that, that um, we're going to set ourselves up for disappointment when those same beautiful and lovely, inspiring conditions are not present. Like if we were relishing the weather yesterday, beautiful, bright, warm, sunny weather. Hooray, this is going to be a great retreat. Beautiful spring weather. Then the alarm goes this morning. Oh, rain. Well, the disappointment with the rain is proportional to the, the relish of the beautiful clear skies. That's why we could say the beautiful clear skies are dukkha, 
not because they're painful in themselves, but because when they're clung to, attached to, then the mind becomes habituated to that. We set up the causes for disappointment. QED. Also, it's reflecting that no particular experience can bring permanent satisfaction. No taste, no sound, no sight, no feeling, no sensation, no idea can be permanently pleasing and beautiful. You can't do that. impossible according to the laws of nature. Something is delicious and pleasant and beautiful for a, a moment. Our favorite tasting our favorite food or hearing our favorite music played a hundred or a thousand times over. We get bored, irritated, even stop hearing it. Can't stand the taste of that favorite food if we've had nothing else for six months. The joy of reuniting with someone that we love, meeting your child at the airport, and you hug. You stayed hugging for a month. Get a bit tedious, wouldn't it? People would start to look. So to reflect and to, to consider, is this pleasant feeling, this beautiful sensation, intrinsically beautiful, or is it just because of the impact of the moment? And then the reflections on not-self, anatta, most mysterious or intangible or counterintuitive of all. Maybe we can see that you know, everything is changing quite simply. And we can see how not e uh, no thing can be intrinsically and permanently satisfying. But how is it that things are not self? The body is not self. The world of form, thoughts, feelings, moods, memories, Personality seems to be so much us and consciousness. I am hearing, I am thinking, I am seeing. Surely? Isn't that obvious? I know, I think, I feel, I hear, I see. If anything is going on, if anything is happening, then it's me here, Knowing the world, inside and outside. Surely. So we reflect at the beginning of the day. You know, form is not self. Feeling is not self. Perceptions are not self. 
our formations or mental formations are not self. Consciousness is not self. So this isn't a, like a metaphysical statement or a belief system, but a way of investigating. Is that sound of the rain? Is that me? Does it have an owner? It's known here, but it's not my sound. Well, this voice then, this sounds like I'm making these these noises, producing these words. Is that my sound? If the sound of the rain doesn't have an owner, how can the sound of the of the voice have an owner? Is it the same? Is it different? We explore. We investigate, examine. The one seems obviously not who and what we are, not to belong. The other seems to be that way, or a thought, a memory that no one else knows about. Surely that's mine. I'm thinking. It's happening in here, in my mind. What's that minus referring to? It's happening in me. What does the word me refer to? To the changing body? The changing thought? What is it? What is the subject? As the retreat progresses and uh, we all settle down, the mind becomes a bit more focused and steady, attention becomes more stable. Like holding the camera steady. Once the, you've got a, um, a firm stance and the the camera is held steady and you can focus it, then you can see clearly through the, the image finder. Once the mind is steady and stable, focused more consistently on the present moment, then we can begin to investigate the whole process of experience. The purpose of focusing on the breathing is not because of some special or sacred quality of the breath. It's really a simple, just a simple exercise to bring the attention, to train the attention to rest easily in this present moment without chasing off into imaginary pasts and futures, fantasy worlds built around the present. It's to train the attention 
to rest, clearly aware and open to this moment. Like holding the camera steady, getting it focused. And the reason why we have a routine and precepts and so forth is all to help that stabilization process. So it's rather like the automatic image stabilization that they have in cameras nowadays. The more we keep the precepts, the more we follow the routine, the more we uh, give ourselves wholeheartedly to the practice, the more uh, completely and firmly our capacity to focus on the present will will develop. Our image stabilization process is going to work very fully and completely. But then we look. The point of holding the camera steady is not just to hold the camera steady, it's so we can get a clear picture. So too, the purpose of focusing the mind on the present moment is so that we can see clearly what is the nature of experience? How does it work? So as the, the practice proceeds and the mind becomes a little more stable and steady, settles down, then when that stability is, is uh, firm, then we can not focus particularly on the breath itself, but just allow that to be there in the mix of other perceptions in the flow of experience. Just the feelings of the body, the sound of the rain, the temperature of the room, the texture of the clothes on our skin. The basic method of insight meditation, vipassana, is to allow that there to be a, a resting in awareness, being that aware, open space that receives all experience, thoughts and feelings, moods, perceptions, Perception of the body walking along, the perception of memory arising and ceasing, perception of tasting food, washing dishes, chopping vegetables, training the, the mind to rest in that quality of awareness and to simply observe, to feel to know the crystallizing and dissolving of experience as it takes shape, does its thing, and flows on. It's like right now. The feelings of the body, comfort or discomfort, warmth or coolness. Listening to these words, 
interested by them, annoyed by them, not even hearing them. Listening to the bird outside the window. Thinking, what bird? Oh, that bird. Just the tumbling current of perceptions. And so we use uh, these reflections on the universal characteristics of all things, all experience, to keep remembering, to keep uh, helping us to sustain that simple objectivity. As we hear a sound, we reflect, oh, it's changing. Sound never stays the same for too long. The chirp of the bird begins and ends. As the mind takes hold of it, you see, well, how is it unsatisfactory? How is that dukkha? Wanting it to carry on, wanting it to go away, delighting in it and then setting up the conditions for missing it when it's not around. How is it not self? Well, it's the sound of a bird doesn't have an owner, it just feels like I am hearing it. But actually there's just hearing. When it's examined closely, there's hearing, there's knowing, there's the naming, sound of a bird, the murmur of rain, sound of the voice. Hearing, feeling, cognizing, thinking. So we're using these reflections of anicca, dukkha, anatta, transiency, unsatisfactoriness, not-self, as a way of examining experience, counteracting the habits of nicca, sukha, atta, permanence, happiness, and self going to stay this way, it's, it's exactly what I like and what I want, it's always going to be pleasing, and it's mine. <laughs> That's the, uh, the instinctual and deluded want, Nietzsche Sukha Atta. So as we train the the mind to rest in the present and to work with the flow of experience in this way, then rather than focusing on the particular texture of the sound, whether we like the bird or the rain or not, or the, the voice, say, oh look, it's changing. And we let go. Oh, it's, it's dukkha, it's unsatisfactory, it can't be permanently pleasing. 
What a relief. Or it's already annoying. It's dukkha. What do you expect? <laughs> Not pleasing. Well, so what? That's the way things are. Just like this. Or, oh, it's not self. Of course, it's experienced here, but it's not my sound. And then we begin to even notice that that feeling of minus and meanness, just like the sound of the bird or the murmur of the rain, that too is just another mental formation that arises and ceases. The feeling of I-ness, meanness, minus. Called ahankara and mamankara in the Pali language. There's a noticing that, oh, the I feeling arises, changes, and dissolves. It too is just another formation. Well, who does that belong to? So we're using these reflections not to try and come to some fixed answer about who and what we are, but to loosen our grip on the habitual ways of seeing and thinking that continually cause obstruction and alienation within the heart. We're not trying to define the ultimate characterization of self, the real me, but learning to, by a process of elimination, let go of all the things that aren't me. And to know in this very heart, in this very space of awareness, what remains. And there's a letting go, a non-identification with form, feeling, perception, mental formations, consciousness. What remains? And rather than trying to make a, an image or create an idea about that, there's a direct realization, a knowing in the heart. We awaken to that reality rather than just create an idea about it. These are two very, very different things. As different as the word water from the actual wet stuff pouring from the sky. So the use of these kind of reflections is reconfiguring the way that we apprehend perception, thought, the way we apprehend the feeling of me in the world. It's training the mind to see in terms of, of transiency, uncertainty, unsatisfactoriness, not self is to look at those characteristics rather than I like, I don't like, beautiful, ugly, right, wrong, wanted, unwanted, mundane, etc. 
the other. Whether I like it or, or don't, it's changing. Whether it's beautiful or ugly, it's changing. Expected or unexpected, oh, it's, I don't really mind, but it is changing. And just to see the transformation in the heart when we reflect in that way, when we apply those points of view, apply those tools, what happens in the heart? Notice the freedom that appears, the profound quality of release when there's a letting go. Even if it's just for half a second, Notice that. Let yourself be aware of that. <coughs> it might be that uh, we hear this and think, oh, that sounds like great stuff, so i just got to get my mind to stop thinking Stop being busy and agitated and fretful. Make it behave. Get concentrated. Get under all this good insight stuff. That's what I want. Okay, let's buckle down. And then as soon as the mind starts thinking, shut up! I'm developing insight here. I'm on my way to wisdom. Freedom! You shut up and behave. So then we can easily start a fight with the thinking mind. <coughs> Grieving lost loves, planning the futures, reworking our investment plans, revisiting sibling rivalries and conflicts and crises. Unrequited loves, overrequited loves. <laughs> the whole array. So it's important that rather than just trying to shove things out of the way, starting a fight with the, the thinking mind and all it creates, we cultivate a collaborative relationship. basis of all concentration and wisdom is loving-kindness. So as we sit and walk during the day, we notice the mind has raced off, it's revisiting an old argument or an old flame, planning a new one. With infinite patience and kindness, notice the mind has drifted, Gently but firmly release, relinquish what the mind has grabbed hold of. Come back to the present, to the footsteps, to the breath, to the mouthful of food. The feeling of hanging your coat on the peg. Just this. The pull of gravity on the body as we sit on the cushion. Just this. And as we relinquish and let go, 
Notice how good that feels. The thinking mind is not the enemy. But as Taranya was suggesting, rather relating to it, is a, in a kind of friendly way. I often liken it to taking care of a small child or a, a puppy. The more forceful and violent you get, the more tension in the system, the more likely everyone is to end up in tears. Patiently bringing the child back, sitting them down, working with them. With boisterous, restless, agitated energy. Well, of course, you know, it's a two-year-old. What do you expect? Or a puppy, bouncing here, chasing after that, running after its tail. And what do we expect? It's a puppy. It's supposed to be like that. So, patiently and gently, firmly directing the mind. So then we work in a cooperative, collaborative way, not in a contentious, argumentative, forceful way, just trying to beat the mind into submission. A loving-kindness in this way is therefore a uh, genuine and radical acceptance of all, of all things around us, the people that we are sharing the space with, the weather, the buildings, the country. A radical acceptance of, of our own minds, our personality, physical limitations, physical habits. Obsessive thoughts or depressive states, excited enthusiasms, whatever it might be. This is where we start from. This is the shape of the world. We can't start from the wrong place. we're not necessarily approving of everything that we feel or think. We have acceptance for feelings of violence or deceit, indulgence. doesn't mean that we creep out to find the, the refrigerator in the middle of the night. Or deliberately go off and cause trouble somewhere. It means that we recognize, well, sometimes people can feel like that. Here's my mind saying, I gotta eat now. Food want now. Well, that's the way we can feel. You know, we have body, 
less appetites. Natural for those feelings to arise. Food, sex, sleep, possessions, violence, fears, aversions, greed. We're totally capable of experiencing all of those as we are love, wisdom, kindness, equanimity. It's all there. So acceptance doesn't mean that we we follow those impulses, but more that we understand that they're part of nature. The wholesome ones we follow. The unwholesome ones we leave aside. That's it. They belong, but we don't have to follow them all. That's not suppressing. It's just the application of wisdom. Common sense. So during the day, be careful to try your best to work with the mind and body in this collaborative, friendly way. Sister Taranya was discoursing very extensively last night about the beauties of friendship. The number one being to establish friendship with is yourself. Be a friend to your own mind, your own body. In Buddhist psychology, the means and the end are unified. If you use a, a violent and forceful means, you'll get a, a violent and forceful, tension-riddled, painful end. If you use a gentle and wise, respectful means, you'll have a peaceful, harmonious end. That's, that's the way it works. But we can find that out for ourselves. Working in this way, we'll see. See the results for ourselves. It's not a matter of believing anyone else, but we can witness that, know that directly. Can finish with the um, 
Reflections on Universal Well-Being, which uh, is the one that begins, I will abide, may I abide in well-being. So page 41. In freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may I maintain well-being in myself. May everyone abide in well-being. In freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may they maintain well-being in themselves. May all beings be released from all suffering, and may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained. When they act upon intention, all beings are the owners of their action and inherit its results. Their future is born from such action companion to such action, and its results will be their home. All actions with intention, be they skillful or harmful, of such acts they will be the end. Closing homage, which um, so uh, the end of the morning and the evening sessions, and the closing homage is the last bit. So for the morning, you'll find that on page thirty. Bhagavata Dhamma, the 
teaching so completely explained by him. Dhamma namasami, I bow to the Tamma. Supati Pano Magawato Sawakasango The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well Sangang Namami I bow to the Sangha.